Hello and welcome to Kohler Commentary with your host Unji. Today I get to sit down with Carol Pack, founder of Sul. Many of my listeners might already know of this brand because of drinks like Maku because it's so good. But also Carol and the team were generous enough to be my first giveaway when I relaunched this podcast back in March. And now she's sitting across from me virtually to share her story. Carol started Sul in 2017 with a mission to globalize Korean alcoholic beverages. Prior to Sul, she worked at at ZX Ventures, leading the launch of a new alcoholic beverage brand in China. She's a native New Yorker with a bachelor's degree from the University of Michigan and an MBA from Columbia Business School. There is clearly so much excellence in innovation and execution as I read this brief bio, and I cannot wait to hear more about how Carol was able to bring these visions to life. So without further ado, welcome, Carol. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I'm really excited too. I feel like the first time I had maku was in October of 2021 when mm-hmm. I was in Seattle. My friends introduced it to me and ever since like I was so obsessed with it. I came back to Texas and I was like telling all my friends about it. And now that I get to hear the story from you in person is really amazing for me. So I'm really excited to learn more about your journey. Before we jump and dive right into maku and soku, I'd love to know a little bit more about yourself. Would you mind introducing who is Carol from upbringing, growth, and the journey that led you to where you are today? So I'm a native New Yorker. I was born in Flushing, Queens, Flushing Hospital, where most Koreans are born there. Um, My parents immigrated from Korea, my dad in high school, and my mom right after college. And they met here in New York, and they got married. And yeah, most of my life I was in Queens. And then I moved to Long Island for a little bit, and then I moved to Florida a little bit, and then ended up back in Queens. I went to high school in the city, and then I went to college in Michigan, and, you know, ended up coming right back to New York. So my dream was always, well, I thought my dream was always to be a lawyer. Um, And I think that's (laughs) mostly because my parents and my grandma expected that of me. So my first few jobs were in nonprofit and government because I was trying to figure out what kind of law I wanted to do. But while I was working in the government, I like ran into the startup scene in New York. Um, I was just kind of starting. This is when Facebook was starting to get really popular. And I had met an engineer who wanted to create some kind of app with me. Um, and he was from UPenn. And so I was like, okay, this guy is really smart. <laughs> and he's an engineer. So like, let me maybe try the startup thing with him. But um, through that process, I was working on that for about a year and it didn't work out but through the process I was able to meet my boss from my previous company called Plum Alley and it pivoted a couple of times but it really focused on helping women entrepreneurs because I think mm. uh, I want to say this is back in 2013 or so female founders there wasn't a lot of support around that we were kind of pioneers in that space and so through that process I was able to interact with I would say hundreds of women entrepreneurs and I think I was really inspired by that process and that was three years and then I still was quite confused in terms of like what I really wanted to do in my life and I was like heading into my late 20s and I was like oh my gosh you know I love what I'm doing here but I don't see it as a career path because it's a really small company I don't see a lot of growth for me here and so I ended up going to business school because I also felt a little bit challenged working at tech companies when I didn't have any kind of technical background and I felt very limited in terms of what kind of roles and positions I could have. And so I thought, oh, maybe I should switch into consumer packaged goods. So yeah, I went to business school. I learned a little bit more finance. I kind of built my foundation and 
I think long term, I always knew I was going to be an entrepreneur one day. And so I felt like having my MBA also made me a lot more marketable as a founder. And it would help me with some business fundamentals and kind of like working my PL and raising money and things like that. So from there, I got into consumer packaged goods in a way. I ended up going to Anheuser-Busch InBev, which is the creator of Budweiser, but I joined their innovations and venture team. So that was really exciting because that was kind of like the intersection of like CPG and startups, which has been my background at, at that point. So I had a really fun experience there. They asked me to launch a product that was not beer because as a global company, they just wanted to find new ways to continue innovating and growing, staying at the top of the market and being the number one global beer company in the world. But they saw a shift in consumers wanting to drink things other than beer. And so I started working on a hard kombucha project and eventually Ooh. they wanted me to like look into the China market. And so I was traveling back and forth between New York and China. And at that point, you know, when I was working in Asia, I took a trip to Korea and I saw that Makali was kind of having a moment of growth and a lot of younger generations were exploring this new drink, brewing it. And I, and I just saw a lot of opportunity for the Makali category to grow beyond Korea. Yeah, I left in 2017 to start my own company. And at the time, it wasn't called Seul. It's called K-Brews. That's our legal name. That's Korean oh, okay. Brews because yeah. the thought was always like to focus on Korean alcohol with Maku being our first product. Yeah, that was not a linear path, but right. I think all my experience has led me to this point today. Yeah, I feel like I can see like marks of each experience kind of building you up to here. So that's so cool to hear about. Before we go into Seoul itself, you know, having immigrant parents who were supporting a law degree or a law career, mm -hmm. what did it look like in terms of a response when you did this really cool, like radical path change mm -hmm. where you're going to be a female entrepreneur, which could be risky, like you said, in the time of the past where mm -hmm. female entrepreneurs were not as common or as supported. I'd love to just hear a little bit about what that looked like. Yeah. So the first company, I believe I was 22. My parents are quite liberal. They weren't mm -hmm. like the tiger parents. They very much parented us in the way of learn through experience. And so mm -hmm. I think they know I'm a very curious child and they supported the the one year where I tried to build this mobile app and, you know, let me kind of face all the challenges and hardships that came with like trying to build a company, especially when you're 21 and have like no experience yeah. in tech and <laughs> mobile apps. So I think at that point it was like, I was still a baby to them and I was like, oh, very cute. She'll figure <laughs> out her way. And then I think after I was working at AB InBev and I was making a good salary and then I said I wanted to leave to start my own alcohol company that was a little bit more I guess shocking to them because they were like well she's already tried this before and she was, she's saying she wants to do it again mm -hmm. and there's a lot of risk here because you know I've been working in SERPs my whole life or like in government and nonprofit, and so like I've never really made a lot of income and I was like nearing my 30s at the time so yeah I think they were a little bit wary but they still supported it you know my mom is the one that helped us create the makgeolli recipe. They funded the seed money. Wow. Um, and till this day, yeah, they're, they're very supportive. But I also think that they thought 
you know, I would do it for a year and, and give it up. So yeah, now they're very proud of where I am. And I think shocked again. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> that's so awesome. You get to shock your parents. I think that's a cool <laughs> feeling to have. So definitely celebrating with you there. So you saw an opportunity in Korea when you were working with AB Ventures, right? Uh, yes, yeah, ZX Ventures. So when you see something, how do you make it into like practical steps? Like what did that look like for you to be able to execute something like that? Yeah, so I was lucky that I essentially was an entrepreneur in my past role. It went from ideation to formulation to production to marketing, sales, and like throughout that process, financing and creating like a business plan. So I basically mimicked all that blueprint. Yeah, like wow. I had the blueprint and I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I know exactly what to do. It's just different because it's my money this time Mm -hmm. and my product and my brand. And like, I don't have to answer to anyone. I don't have to get approval from from anyone. So obviously the challenging part is I don't have a network to tap into. I don't have a budget that's like sitting on my lap. So I had to go out and, and seek all of those things. But in terms of how do I get there? I think the difference between my first venture and this venture is that I had experience in the industry and the role. And so I had a starting point. So then as an Asian American woman who was able to have the experience that allowed you to go for this, what did that look like in starting this new job, like this new business with Maku First and then all these other products you guys have in the future lined up? Can you just share that journey as specifically your identity as an Asian American woman? I was fortunate to have launched in a time where ethnicity and race and diversity and inclusion is such a focal point and Mm. a topic that everyone is very cautious about and very top of mind. And so at the same time, we have a lot of other Asian founders also building products and businesses inspired by their culture and their heritage. And so I very much tapped into, you know, that Asian community to build my product and launch my company. And so all of my first initial customers, they were all Asian, mostly Korean. I was just trying to find all of the Korean restaurant owners, all the Korean deli owners. When I was trying to find a brewery, you know, I went to Korea. And so I think if I were trying to build this without being Asian, it wouldn't have been possible or it would have been a very different journey because I very much tapped into that Asian community to launch my Mm. product because they found what I was doing to be very relevant and they resonated with my mission. And at the very least, like these older restaurant owners and retail owners, they like, they're like, oh, I have a daughter your age. Mm. Who are you? (laughs) Let me help you out. I don't know. Yeah, some sort of emotional pull. Yeah, I see. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. So like if I were sometimes like when it was really challenging, I was always like, oh, I should have just launched a hard seltzer. Because I was kind of debating between do I do a hard seltzer or do I do makgeolli? And I was like, oh my gosh, like summer of White Claw, truly. I could have been in that category. But I think it would have been tremendously hard because I wouldn't know where to start. I don't think like the founder product fit would have been very evident that makes sense oh that question was also a shout out from the people that ran into you in new york at a korean pocha that said that you gave them free maku at an event which oh my gosh. inspired me to reach back out to you after the giveaway a long time ago so just wanted to shout out my friends who were excited to hear about you but with that like i sounds like you were able to use some of these identities as an advantage starting out what were some of the harder things about starting this business and what allowed you to keep going and not succumb to like burnout mm-hmm. and like more of like the discouraging messages that can come internally when mm-hmm. you do something as amazing as this 
I guess the biggest challenge,、uh, there's two. One is always finding the money.、Mm. Um, I think there's a lot of like macro things that right now I can't control, and a lot of my founder friends are trying to fundraise, and the response is kind of like it's just not really a good time. All the investors are getting more conservative, so it makes it hard for small brands like us to subsist on internal. Funding and so at a time where you're trying to grow, how do you grow without that external cash? And a lot of I would say general investors just see our product as very niche, and、mm. so it's always kind of like even in getting into retailers and getting distributors, it's like show us traction and then we'll we'll bring you in. But it's always like the chicken and the egg game, right? So we need your help to show traction, but that's、mm-hmm. the kind of the response we get from everyone. But yeah, cash is always kind of the most important and challenging part, I think, of keeping the business afloat and just like keeping the balance of like how much should I spend? Do I grow? Do I try to hold on to my money? So I think that's always like a a big puzzle for me. And then the second is finding a really good team that. Understands the startup world and the mentality, and understanding like sometimes you're expected to do things outside of your job description, and also finding people that have chemistry with each other. And at times when they know the company is not doing that well, you know, I'm obviously motivated because I started the company and I'm the one that communicates with all my investors, and so I have a lot of pressure and like internal motivation because I have a dream that I want to fulfill. But then,、mm-hmm. how do I keep these employees that can get, you know, jobs anywhere else? How do I keep them motivated? So yeah, I think beyond the daily operations of like freight and production and sales and marketing, those two are always things I think about at night. Right, right. I remember going to your website like a while ago and seeing like the bios of your team, and it seemed very personal. There was like fun facts or something like that、oh, about、yeah. each of the team members and、yeah. stuff like that. And I was like, that seems very like close knit as a group for this mission you guys are building. As the leader, what are some like core values or like qualities you do want to keep holding on to? As this is something that keeps coming in mind of how to lead and how、mm-hmm. to be able to foster that team dynamic that you hope for. Yeah, I think that's a topic I think about a lot recently because it's like company culture. How do I build it? What kind of traits do I want to look for in future employees? If I have three resumes that are all equally talented and experienced, and I think somehow I found like team members that all share like similar characteristics that I value, which are like honesty, transparency, hardworking, and kindness. So、mm. I think all of our employees are like very, very, very kind, and I'm very proud of that. Yeah, did they all just like show up on your step? Like that's so cool that they were all able to carry those quality, like those traits. I feel like that's more rare to find nowadays. Other than our full time employees, we worked with a lot of contractors, and we still do. So I was fortunate where a lot of these employees and contractors they approached the company saying that、mm. they wanted to work for the company. They aligned with our vision, and they loved our products and what we were doing. And so thankfully, I didn't have to recruit too many people. But like the recent hires, we did go through like a formal hiring process, and yeah, when we were just interviewing, there is definitely like a fit that you、right. can feel when you're hiring with people. 
I think that's true. So true. Like we long to see our identity in society, right? And so even you bringing this drink allows people to be drawn to you or like reach out to you. I think that's really special. I have a question of as you grow more and more, like how do you learn to say yes and like also to say no as all these opportunities start to arise for you guys as a team? Even like this podcast, like I'm so small, but I'm so grateful you said yes, you know? Um, But like in general, when you have so many more things on your plate, looking forward like what does that balance look like I've always been a yes woman and Mm. like yeah so I'm like always booked for work and socially and I try to say yes to everything as long as I can handle it or my team can handle it so like we get asked for product donations all the time and obviously if we can do so we will so like mostly in New York and California but if it's clearly like not a good fit for us in terms of audience or if it's in the middle of you know America where it's really expensive for us to ship out that product Mm -hmm. in those kind of cases we say no but I don't think it's been very hard so far to weed out the opportunities that make sense for us versus not. Mm. Yeah, I still think that like human connections and human relationships are how businesses are built and our business is very much built through word of mouth. So even like one-on-one discussions with people, a lot of times like later those relationships have come back and helped me. So I don't think entrepreneurs should really judge, oh, you know, this is not worth my time if they have the time. And you don't feel spread thin yet? I I do. That's a loaded question, I'm sure. (laughs) I do, but then some things I would say, like, this is still, it's not like hard work for me. It's not stressful for me. Mm. It's something I enjoy too. Mm. And sometimes it, you know, once in a while I'll be doing this and I'll like reflect on my journey. And so it's also kind of therapeutic in a way too. But, you know, some opportunities where it's very draining for me, Like, I don't like to take videos of myself. So if people ask me to record a video for them, I'll say no. Yeah, that's good to know. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I do try to preserve my energy and anything that's like really unnecessarily like stressful for me. Yeah, I think that's good awareness for the areas that you do have limits and then allowing yourself to be open in the other ways. We talked about some of the hard things. What have been the greatest joys about building this business? Um, If any actual like memories or stories and feelings come to mind or just in general, some of the joys about building Sur? So I think it's two things. One is the amount of people I can meet and like the diversity of people I meet. I think I meet probably at least 50 new people a week which is crazy Mm. and I get to hear people's stories from all walks of life from different countries and that's just really fascinating to me and like when I was in undergrad my major was psychology because I was just so interested in people and society and how people work and how like people's upbringings like affect people and so I think being able to observe the world through meeting different types of people, that's been really great. And also like I get to travel a lot for work. So because we're distributing and we're selling to 22 states, it is my job to travel to many of these states. And so I love traveling and I think for it to be a part of my work, that's really great. And the favorite part of my job before was that I got to travel to Asia Mm. and now I get to do that for, for this company. And like, I just find the fact that I could intertwine my interests and work has been the reason that like it hasn't been so challenging. 
I mean, that's really cool that you get to implement the joys into your own schedule as as the boss that you are in it. I wanted to go back to when you were talking about how your mom was helping with creating Maku. Like, what was that process like where you get to bond with her in this special way of like creating your product and it being from your parents' history? Yeah, it was great. I'm trying to remember if I... So I didn't live at home at the time. Okay. But I would come home to ask my mom to sample different makgeollis because I really trust her taste buds. She mm. is a great cook. She'll cook everything that we eat. So I, I just really valued her taste buds. So I would come home and brew the makgeolli for her. And I guess she realized we were like so far away from where we needed to be. And oh. so she started brewing. And I wouldn't say like it was anything out of the ordinary or it changed our relationship because we just already have such a right. close relationship and I am very dependent on her and I listen to everything she says. <laughs> so yeah, I, I'm just fortunate that I'm in a position where I could continue seeking advice from my yeah. parents. And so, you know, my mom, she has her own clinic uh, and my dad mm. is an entrepreneur. And so to this day, whenever I have like any concerns about like, oh, this contract or should I let this employee go? Or like, you know, what kind of, I don't know, new product should we launch? I go to them and seek their advice. And so, yeah, that's been nice that I have like mentors in my parents. Yeah, I have so many friends now who are starting side small businesses with hopes of making it into their own and things like that. But you see like there is a lineage inside their family of entrepreneurship or like in general with like small businesses. So it's really cool like that your dad also is his own entrepreneur, like for his own business. So that's cool to hear too. Okay, so now I didn't get to try soku. Is yeah, that how you say it? Okay. Because I got pregnant like right then. I was like, oh my gosh. I was like so excited when I saw that one was coming out. So I'm excited once baby comes out to try <laughs> it. But you guys are going global. What does it look like as you create new products? And how do you like differentiate in terms of branding and like being able to distribute and then thinking of global dreams that like maybe were on your radar and now you're like living it out? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So our second brand, I think I underestimated I thought, oh, everyone who buys Maku will buy Soku or they'll like realize that we're related and like mm. just want to try it. But A, people don't know that these brands are related. B, they're different categories. So one is a beer and one, of the, one is a spirit. So distribution is not as synergistic as I thought it would be. So I realized, oh, oh my gosh, I have to go back and build Soku the way I built Maku, which takes a lot of time and a lot of money. Right. So we don't have the budget to focus on both equally. And so right now, because there's organic opportunities that are coming with Maku, we're focusing a little bit more on that. And then once we get to a place where we're stable and we don't have to nurture Maku as much, that's when we're going to start focusing on Soku. And so for Maku, we recently launched in Korea. So that was kind of our step one mm -hmm. into our goal of entering the, the APAC market. So eventually we would like to distribute our products to other Asian countries. And we've heard from many of them, but I think, you know, we want to see how Korea goes. We still want to focus on building out our presence in the U.S. And yeah, we're also going to be launching in Canada at the end of this year. I mean, was that always in your plans to make it like all these countries being able to receive your products kind of thing? Or was it more like you wanted to bring it to America to show this place your like roots of Korea? Uh, no, it was always a global play. Um, I just don't think there's a lot of awareness about makgeolli outside of Korea. Right. And the uh, few brands that are exporting makgeolli are not 
made with all natural ingredients and yeah a lot of them, and that's a huge plus <laughs> yeah and a lot of them are not brewed with steamed rice and so I felt like I wanted to export and build a global makgeolli brand that was a little bit more true to you know the traditional makgeolli that was enjoyed in Korea many years ago you guys have like so many different variations, like all the different flavors. And then I saw recently there's like a lighter version. There's like so many opportunities to do that. Like, do you have more of those like saved in your pocket where you're like going to do one at a time, things like that? Yeah, I think um, for any consumer packaged goods company and specifically for food and beverage, you can't not innovate because you need to keep the customers engaged, excited, loyal. And you also have to keep up with the market. So we'll see what products will be out there from our company in two, five years. Um, and that's really going to depend on like what people, consumers right. are looking for. In terms of like all of the new SKUs, that's US only. So we'll have our, like in Korea, it's just our first three products, which were the original mango and blueberry. We'll just kind of keep only two or three SKUs in like the other countries that we're planning to export to. Is there any like sneak peek into what things will look like in five years for you guys? Like anything we can like hear about now at all? The goal is just kind of becoming more available. Mm. So even in the U.S., we have so much work to do. You know, like we Texas, need increase... we're waiting for. <laughs> we're waiting for you guys. Oh my gosh, Texas is such a hard state. I think it, it might be the hardest state. Yeah, because uh, licensing for Texas is very uh... different. And I think because the state is so big, they don't need a lot of like brands from outside of Texas. Right. Um, but we are in the process of applying for a license. And so hopefully next year we can be available in Texas. Oh, okay. That's exciting. Yeah. Because when I got it in Seattle, I was so excited to come back. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's not here. I mean, luckily we can get it online. Yeah. So make sure you guys order that way. <laughs> but yeah, I was like really excited for the day it comes um, to the stores in Dallas. So that's exciting to look out for not just with your company, but as you lead this life and as you like have all these experiences, I'd love to just hear how you kind of intersect all these identities together, whether it is your Asian American identity, your female identity, just being a boss, daughter, wife, um, <laughs> other things. How do you blend those and like make sure they're all in a balance? Uh, it is challenging. I, I would say that I'm sure for most founders, finding a balance is very very difficult because mm. I can't just like shut my mind off and it's right. it's really like having a baby you mm. can't just like turn off your mind from the baby for a few hours so I mean everything is kind of intertwined and I've gotten a lot of support from my friends my family the community and it, I, I would say I do tend to make business and pleasure a lot. And in terms of my identity, I think, yes, being Korean is, even before this company, has been very important to me. And I think that's because I grew up in Flushing and Queens, and we had such a big Korean community. And so Korean was my first language. I only really watched Korean shows, Korean music. And so when I went to high school and people were talking about like Coldplay and you know these mm -hmm. american bands i i had a vague idea of who these people were but like i was so much more familiar with like god and right ses and hot and yeah i was always kind of involved in the korean community korean society i went to korean church so i would say i think that's a very big part of my identity and whatever i do going forward i probably will do something to benefit the korean community 
And beyond that, I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, I need something to do outside of work, but it's, <laughs> I'm so engulfed in it. Yeah. Um, but I've, I've also been able to like make real friends through like this business. It's not just like, you know, industry friends or, or the people that I right. fight in and people that really are walking the same steps in life as me. And so you said you were an extrovert, right? Yeah. Okay, because I was like, if you meet like 50 people, like you said, a week, that that would be a lot, you know, but like, yeah. it doesn't feel super draining or anything. It's exciting to meet all these new perspectives for you. Well, it's still tiring. It's not like 50 one-on-ones. It's usually through an event. Like right, last right, right, night, right, right. we had an event and there was like 20 people there. So I met 20 mm. people last night. And then before that, I was uh, speaking at a company thing and I met about like 10 people there. So that was 30 people yesterday. No, yeah, but your presence is like impacting so many people. So that's kind of crazy to think about. Then they're able to like, whether it's bringing this drink back to their friends, which is what I did at first, but then even like excited to share like the original ones with like my dad and like just seeing what that looks like, you know, and like experiencing that moment together. I feel like it's such a cool thing like you're creating like these memories or these opportunities for like bridging gaps with mm -hmm. um, generations. Even if like your you and your parents are closer, could be like other people that are using this drink for those purposes. And I think that's really special to think about. You know, what's so interesting. Um, we did a customer survey and mm. I think we had almost 300 people respond. And one of the questions was like, when do you drink Mako or who do you drink it with or something like that? Mm. And there's so much there was like so much commentary about how they drink it with their parents or they drink it with their children. Mm. And it really is like this intergenerational like yeah. bonding drink. And I find that very fascinating. It makes did you me feel really good. Did you expect that to be the answer when you guys did the polling? No. Well, I, I originally, when I was building the product, I thought it would be for people in their 20s. Mm. and I find that it's mostly 30 up uh, 30 oh. to like 70 so it's totally different than my expectations and the insight between like being a family drink that was like really discovered from this customer survey yeah I think that's so cool obviously things are happening in a great way for you guys but then these like extra surprises that have such meaningful kind of like connotations of what this drink is bringing is like really special so that's cool that other people also have that same feeling that I did <laughs> in my personal yeah. experience what about just like other things about you Carol that would be not so much within yourself as an entrepreneur but other core things that build who you are that we might not know about I mean, I was I was raised in church, so I, I'm kind of of the belief, like, even if you go to church and you don't really believe in God or you have a lot of doubt, which is, like, common, mm -hmm. the values that you're taught in church and, like, all of the things that the Bible say is bad, I think I've been raised with, like, very, like, proper morals and values and always about, like, helping others, helping the poor. So I think I want to become you know, someone that is able to do a lot of good things in my future life. So that's something that, that motivates me. My hobbies were always really just, I'm not very talented in like sports or art. <laughs> so for me, I just like travel and like and go to restaurants. And <laughs> yeah, like cocktail bars were always like a big fascination of mine. But yeah, other than that, in my free time, I just, I work out and I hang out with my dog. 
and uh, normal people things. Yeah, I even see that even how you said earlier, like you're a yes person, right? And like、mm-hmm. being able to extend that kindness out, so definitely shows in the values you were mentioning of being brought up in the church as well. So that's kind of cool to see all of those things full circle. Did you have anything else you wanted to share about the brand or your journey or any advice you wanted to give to rising entrepreneurs or whatnot before we kind of do some final、yeah. game? <laughs> I th- I think、uh, if I look back to my earlier years and especially when I was fundraising, like I think I lacked a lot of confidence in terms、mm. of like I was a little bit embarrassed, you know, to be sharing about my brand and I. Always felt like, oh, if we were a little bit more successful, maybe I would have more confidence. And so I, I just think that is not a good way to be an entrepreneur. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. You know, if any entrepreneurs out there, obviously the other kind of advice would obviously be, you know, watch your cash and you have to be passionate and all those things that you'll normally hear. But I think confidence goes a long way, and like that's really something that. You know, you can get from within yourself, and so it's、right. just a reminder that's really important. I think that's so good. Just a lot of everybody, but also as Asian Americans, there is like the imposter syndrome that really hits hard to you, and、mm-hmm. so just like reminding yourself and empowering yourself to be the advocate for that business you're growing or whatever it is that you're striving for is a really good reminder. So、mm-hmm. my last question that I have is: if you were to pick a fruit. To best describe you, what、yeah. would you choose? Because you know, like Koreans、yeah. love fruit, so I like、yeah. to end it with that. Yeah, when I was thinking about this question, I was like, "Wow, I never thought about it." <laughs> and I was like, "I don't know, but I have a honeydew、oh, sitting、okay. next to, on my <laughs> counter, and I really like honeydew." And I was like, "Okay, what are our similarities?"、Mm. And I was like, "Okay, it's nice and round, which I think it's like a very balanced shape."、Mm. And I'm a Libra, so. I kind of believe in horoscopes, and I feel like my whole life I try to be very balanced, and、mm. I try to always keep balance as part of my lifestyle. And it is it a summer fruit? I don't know. I don't know. It seems like it would be a summer fruit. Yeah. Melon, right. <laughs> so I like warmer weather. I don't think it's、okay. a winter fruit. Yeah, it's 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 nice and sweet. It's unfussy. It's it's like not like difficult to eat or peel.、Uh, That's so、true.、Yeah. <laughs> I think I'll be a honeydew. Is there gonna be a honeydew flavor maku someday? <laughs> I wish. So it's very challenging because I could think of the most delicious flavors,、mm-hmm. but because we're trying to keep to like this all natural recipe, right? Fruits like peach or watermelon or honeydew, where there's like a lot of water content and it's not very flavorful, you need to add、ah. extracts and flavorings to get that flavor. But the honeydew, the melona popsicle, right? right? We wouldn't be able to get that flavor. I don't think. Right,、um, right, right. I think that would be one of these fruits that would be hard. Like、mm-hmm. banana, we can't do. So yeah, it's a shame. Oh, that's so interesting to to hear that side of like the making pro, like the flavor making process.、Mm-hmm. I, I, it makes sense. I just wouldn't think about that stuff. So it's okay. There's some great flavors out there that like are not gonna disappoint at all. We're gonna close it out with a rapid fire game.、Um, but before that, is there any like ways we can find you or support or different things that we can be on the lookout for? Depending on where you live, you know, you can find Maku or order Maku. We have a list of stores on our website, which we only update accordingly. So you know, sometimes it could be out of stock or something like that. 
But I think just sharing the word about makgeolli and bringing it to share with friends and family, that's the best way to support us. Yeah, and holidays are soon coming before you even know it. So <laughs> stocking up now will be really great. Yes. Definitely will be like a nice little treat to bring to like Thanksgiving, Friendsgiving things in general. Like I think those will be like a standout item. So mm-hmm. highly suggest. I'm going to end with 10 rapid fire questions. You can just answer with what comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Describe yourself in three words. Uh, <laughs> uh, chill, different, <laughs> kind. Nice. Um, what is your go-to drink? I guess I have to say baku, but yeah, other than that, other question. Than that. <laughs> good answer. But then also second one, <laughs> uh, whiskey. Oh, okay. Who is a social media influencer you like to follow for inspiration or in general? Um, I like. Like Lively and Ryan Reynolds because I think they're mm, funny. Um, but other than that, I don't really do social media other than to business. check out our content. <laughs> it seems like that's the case for a lot of like business people, like entrepreneurs. That <laughs> yeah, because I'm just I'm just on there so often. Yeah. and I mean I, I'll look at my friend stuff, but I don't really look at influencers for food content. I will mm-hmm. look at like so for Mangchi and you know yeah Sanggyeong Longest and those amazing Korean. Yeah. I like a love food and I look I love looking at recipes but I don't really look at like influencers or celebrities Mm. things like that yeah I think Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds are a good (laughs) one to follow are you a morning person or a night person morning what have you done that you are most proud of after this company uh marrying my husband (laughs) oh well maybe that one is first actually so (laughs) what is one of your weird quirks something that's like Oh, my brother's girlfriend says I say horrible all the time. <laughs> like if anything I I hear I don't like I'm like that's horrible. Interesting. Okay, that's yeah. that's new. If you were part of a sitcom family, which sitcom would you be a part of? I only watched Friends, so I don't know. Do you love Friends? I love Friends, so I, I would love choose Friends, friends too. I, I watched Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Oh yeah, Those yeah. Those are only yeah. two shows that I really, really know. Those so. are like the most important ones in my opinion, too. So, what is the lowest grade you've ever been given in what class? Biology. I think I got eighty-one. Oh wow! <laughs> we also went to Umich and Columbia, so that makes sense. That the, yeah, that's your lowest grade. <laughs> Um, if you were on a plane that might be crashing, who would you want to sit next to? Only one person? Yes. I don't know. Uh, Maybe up to three. Yeah, my husband and my parents. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> and then last, what is your favorite thing about your school team? They're just so, I think, like pure. I don't mm. know. I don't know what the right is, word is in English, but I feel like they're very, um, what you see is what you get. And they're very honest and transparent and kind. <laughs> the values you had said yeah. before. I feel like that's even reflective of your product being very natural and then like mm. your team also being that and just as you carry on it's very mm. reflective as well so that's kind of cool how that all unites not like unintentionally but intentionally kind of yeah like that. I this right. is so fun to listen about your story and all of these things and I'm just excited to get to drink it soon <laughs> I'm gonna oh, cheers congratulations with- <laughs> on your pregnancy Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. And so if you guys are listening, please make sure you get some maku and like be on the lookout. Oh, I forgot to. Well, did I ask about 
when you went to Korea recently, if there was any like exciting things about it, or I think we kind of talked about it. Uh, not really, but we, so I tied in a team retreat as well as our launch party mm. all in five days. So it was wow. very, very hectic, but it was a lot of fun. And, and some of our team members are not Korean and I just really wanted them to experience Makale in the home country and understand some of like the culture and the food pairings and visit a Makale bar. And yeah, I think they got to experience all that. We had a lot of fun. Some of them went clubbing until 9am. Because <laughs> well, yeah, it's you can do that. <laughs> yes, I, I did not. I went home. Uh, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. Our launch party was really successful. And we started selling in September. So at the end of the <gasps> okay. month, we'll see kind of how our first month of sales did. But yeah, we're seeing some people share Maku cans from Korea. And it's so cool. That's awesome. Yeah, I feel like I have so many friends going to Korea right now. So if you haven't gone yet, go check it out. Just see it in the stores and take pictures and share it on your socials. I'm so glad you got to introduce the culture to all of your team members since they're not all Korean. So that's really cool as well. Um, I'm excited for how it will do there and Canada, you said, right? Yeah, yeah. We're super excited about both of them. I'm curious, are you going to forever be a New York native or like a New Yorker for life? It's hard to say. I would probably consider California too. Okay, because of the the warmer weather. <laughs> yeah, the food. The I just think um, you're a re- little bit more relaxed over there. That's very true, actually. Yeah. Yeah, and totally like I just point. I hate going out when it's like snowing and actually for and... a new yorker for almost all your life you're very chill and you don't like <laughs> colder weather <laughs> that's so interesting that you've been able to stay there for such a long and michigan was probably really cold too oh i know i was like i don't know why i thought this is a good choice but i wanted to experience an american college ah that's true because i grew up so that, yeah. korean yeah i was like let me see what football is about and yeah. and all of those things Oh my gosh. Okay, I feel like I could ask you questions forever. So hopefully we'll continue to have chances to connect. But thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. And we hope you guys enjoyed another episode of Kohler Commentary. Yay, thank you. I'm always so inspired after talking with entrepreneurs who have shown such resilience and passion in their journey towards success. Thank you, Carol, for sharing your story, the joys and the struggles that go into creating a business. Even as I try to chase after smaller dreams like this podcast and other aspirations in the works, Carol's reminder to have confidence in yourself and knock down that imposter syndrome feeling goes a long way. For many of you out there who have committed to transforming your passions into purpose, don't forget to stop and celebrate yourself for how far you've come and empower the heights you'll reach. It's truly humbling to hear how Carol committed to bringing a beautiful traditional Korean drink into our modern society with her creation alongside her parents and something that elevates our culture today. Kombe! If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to rate it five stars and go subscribe so you never miss another. Go to at Kohler Commentary to comment your key takeaways and share what you want to hear about next. Thank you for being a part of this community. Thank you.